0: I Say It's All Right by Steph Callis. Allow me to reintroduce myself. Hello, I'm Steph. I'm from Southern California, I'm 35 years old, and I live in a small apartment near the L.A. riverbed. I'm naturally brunette, but I'm currently blonde, and I don't have a roommate, but I do have a rubber plant. He hangs out by my window in my kitchen and looks fantastic in his new red pot. Some day I'll give him a haircut, and I hope it won't make him too angry. Also, his name is George. He's short, robust, and perfect. I first met George via Zoom on Christmas morning of last year. When my mother presented him to me, I literally gasped out loud. I remembered being in kindergarten and singing the song about the little old aunt who thought he could move the rubber tree plant, He's got high hopes, he's got high hopes, he's got high apple pie in the sky, hopes. I didn't know anything about rubber plants, but I knew right away I loved mine. Every morning before work, I carry George to his window and set him on a stool. He needs bright, indirect light, And since the earth spins on its axis, sending the sun across the sky, I usually need a minute or two to find the best and brightest angle. My voice becomes an affectionate squeal as I ask him how he's doing. George, I say, drawing out his name into three syllables. How's my Georgie boy? How's my Georgie boy? Taking care of George has turned me into an anxious parent. I thought I killed him the first time I watered him because it didn't spark any new growth, but after a few minutes of panicked Googling, I learned the prognosis was merely winter. I experienced similar panic when I put him in his new red pot. It was Easter Sunday, and my mother gave me step-by-step instructions as we sat on her front porch. Under her supervision, I lined the new pot with soil, then tipped George on his side to gently ease him out of his old one. The process felt like an experiment, but when it didn't result in disaster, I allowed myself to relax. I googled how long rubber trees live, I said, touching one of George's shiny green leaves. Under perfect conditions, they can last for 25 years. My mother smiled at this, and a tear fell from my eye. Under today's imperfect conditions? Who knows who has 25 years? I'm not trying to bring down the mood. I'm trying to tell the truth. The truth is we're in some danger and I won't pretend we're not. The ice caps are melting. The Nazis are mobilizing. And the pandemic, stay with me, is still not ending. Good Lord, this is a lot. Dear Christ, what the hell do we do? Do we march, do we mask? Do we bury our fears with drinks and delusions and try to enjoy what's left? For as tempting as that sounds, feelings never go away. They only get weird and cause cancer. Here's a surprising bit of truth. I am an optimist. My sarcasm is on point, and I'm rarely afraid to call bullshit. But deep down, really and truly, I think that life is the best. I crawl into bed at night believing tomorrow will be better. And despite mounting evidence, I believe this world is the best world possible. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty freaked out right now, but no, I don't think it's all over. I also don't think that optimism is the same as relentless positivity. Good vibes only is great on vacation, but it doesn't translate to daily life. Optimists experience misery, Optimists get angry and sad. Optimists tend to their flower gardens knowing full well the bees may still die. While relentless positivity doesn't want to hear the bad news, good old-fashioned optimism finds some hope after learning the facts. There's hope in joining a protest. There's hope in that steamy little mask. Our prognosis might be dire, but the treatment is out there somewhere. Life can always get better. So go ahead. Make friends with a plant. Speaking of making friends, I recently met the Beatles. I don't mean I flashed a peace sign at Sir Richard Starkey. I mean I finally get why they're still popular 53 years after disbanding. Popular being a less than perfect word to describe a group with its own brand of mania. I never cared about them as a kid and I never cared about them as a teen, but now... In my mid-thirties, I am so grateful I found those four dweebs. How are they all so amusing? The accents, the haircuts, the humor. It's all too much for me to take. If I were relentlessly positive, I'd say everything happens for a reason. I'd say that while, yes, the winter Omicron surge claimed thousands and thousands of lives, at least it allowed me to stay home and watch Get Back on repeat. Get Back is a Beatles docu-series directed by that nerd Peter Jackson. It clocks in at 468 minutes, and I watched it three times last December. I love that dorky docu-series. It made me fall for the Fab Four. But I especially would have loved seeing my family in person on Christmas. Meeting George via Zoom was better than nothing but being unable to hug my mom as I thanked her felt uniquely cold and lonely. A new musical obsession is fun, and good art always gives me a boost. But listening to Across the Universe on repeat is never going to cure depression. I won't manufacture a happy narrative. December left me nearly annihilated. I have more to say about December. In fact, I have more to say about the Beatles. Unfortunately, Writing it all down has been strange and tiring and sad. I've been working on a piece for over a month, and while the process has been a challenge, I like the writing so much it scares me. I'm scared I'll screw it up. I'm scared I'll abandon the whole thing. What especially freaks me out, though, is the idea that no one cares. I convince myself that writing about my own life is narcissistic but then I also convince myself that sharing experiences is unifying. Maybe someone else out there had a crappy Zoom Christmas, and knowing I did, too, will make their world feel less lonely. Right? Maybe I'm onto to something. Maybe I'm not as arrogant as a beetle. Speaking of arrogant beetles, John Lennon might be my favorite. Blatant assholery aside, which is not to be forgotten, but also not what I'm focused on now, He was an incredible lyricist, and somewhat unsurprisingly, I'm a sucker for well-chosen words. Plus, no matter how many books I read about him, and I've probably read too many, every chapter that deals with his death reduces me to a blubbering mess. I hate guns. All of them. Round him up and throw him in the sea. America killed a beetle. We shouldn't be okay with that. Anyway, I won't call him a genius, but I will call him a pioneer. Imagine 60s counterculture without give peace a chance. John Lennon, you optimist. John Lennon, you mercurial twat. Here's the thing though. I named George the rubber plant after George Harrison the beetle because George Harrison the beetle is also my favorite beetle. I love a tiny dude. I love a dense pair of brows. Furthermore, I love that he changed everything when he picked up a sitar. He gave us the best track on the White Album, and the White Album has 30 dang tracks. He could have given up on the writing and avoided the Lennon-McCartney gatekeeping, but no one, not even those two, could crush my Georgie boy's high hopes. As I said, under perfect conditions, George the Rubber Plant could last 25 years. This fills me with hope and melancholy, but I'm glad to know him for now. I'm so glad to know him, in fact, that I recently masked up, went to a nursery, and walked out with a peace lily. I knew which one I wanted when I saw it hiding in a corner. It looked healthy, shiny, lush, and symmetrical, and stood much taller than its fellow spathophyllum. I took it home, brought it into the kitchen, and introduced it to George. Georgie boy, I squeaked. Meet your new buddy. I dorkishly named him John, but his christening wasn't arbitrary. Peace lilies, under ideal conditions, last much less than 25 years. They do well in semi-darkness, but they also need attention. When a peace lily needs water, it lets you know by fainting. Dark, "'moody, needy, and forever associated with peace? "'If it grows legs and follows me to the bathroom, "'I shall not be surprised.' "'I watered John the day I brought him home, "'and five days later, the thirsty diva drooped dramatically. "'I gave him a deep water and placed him near the window by George. "'John's leaves perked up within minutes, "'and as I looked at my two little plants "'sitting in my cramped little kitchen,' I felt grateful for a glimpse of Mother Nature's majesty. From certain angles our fate looks sealed, but from others I see nothing but light. This world is the best world possible. The evidence is all around us in little pots and three-minute pop songs. I'm looking forward to writing more soon. I'm looking forward to buying more plants. I'm looking forward to a better world, a better tomorrow, and an even better Christmas. I'm prepared for more tears. But I've still got high hopes. If you enjoyed listening to me read my writing, subscribe to hear more at That's steff.substack.com. That's S T E F F.substack.com. Thank you so much for listening. Here comes the sun. Doo-doo. Here comes the sun. And I say, it's all right.